Amen. Friends, this is the time in the service when we open the Scriptures and read them and interpret them for one another and listen for what God is saying to His church. I also want to encourage you to be in prayer for the people of the southeastern United States as this hurricane comes in this direction and to pray for safety for those who are in harm's way. We're going to start a new series today. It's called Rhythm of Life, and we're going to start in the book of Ecclesiastes. So if you have your Bible, let me invite you to open it to the Old Testament book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 3. You can also take the Pew Bible in front of you and open that, or you can follow along on the screen as I read. Uh, by the way, I smashed my thumb this week with a framing hammer on Friday, and it hurt really bad. But thankfully, it's not my preaching thumb. This is my preaching thumb, so I'm good. I'm fine for today. So thank you for your concern. All right, Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verses 1 through 8. You ready? For everything there is a season, and a time for every matter under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to pluck up what is planted, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to break down and a time to build up, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to throw away stones and a time to gather stones together. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to seek and a time to lose. A time to keep and a time to throw away. A time to tear and a time to sow. A time to keep silence and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time for war and a time for peace. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. So at my house, we have a ritual that plays out most evenings. Maybe you have a similar ritual. I get home from work, and my wife Donna is there, and she's been working throughout the day, and we meet each other sometimes in the kitchen or sometimes in the family room, and sometimes there's a little kiss or a hug, and we say to each other, how was your day? How was your day? And at the McMullen household where I live, uh, usually what that question means is, how much did you get accomplished today? And a good day is a day when we got a long list of things accomplished, and a not-so-good day are those days when you really, just really didn't get as much done as we had wanted to. Sometimes when I come home and it's time for that ritual, I will find my sweet wife laying on the couch. And she's there resting, and it pleases me to see her resting. My wife, Donna, is one of the most driven, hardworking people I have ever met. Maybe you know people like that. Uh, Donna is one of those people. And yet when I walk in, sometimes she feels a little embarrassed that I've caught her on the couch, right? And she'll be quick to defend herself, and she'll say, honey, you know, right before you got here, I folded four loads of laundry, and I did the dishes and put them all away, and I helped both kids with their homework, and the homework's all done, and by the way, I, I worked my own job for seven hours today. She feels this need to give a defense for her moment of rest, as if she needs to earn it, uh, as if she's you know, in, indulging in some guilty pleasure that she really doesn't deserve. And if she was really, truly a good member of the family, then uh, you know, she'd be up and working and moving around. I wonder if you ever feel that way, friends, like, uh, like your worth is measured by what you accomplish like your worth is measured by what you produce, 
I wonder if you ever feel that subtle but kind of constant pressure in our lives to be productive and to get things done hour after hour and day after day. And so we cram more and more stuff into our lives, into the finite number of hours that we have each day. And we are determined to prove our worth. And we're hoping that other people will think well of us. And we're trying just to get it all done. We have some uh, video footage, actually, this morning of you and me trying to get everything done. I don't know if you noticed the cameras following you around, but we were able to capture on video just what it looks like when you and I try to cram more and more into our life. Okay, so, so you try and try and try, and eventually you fall down, and it's, it's fruitless, isn't it? It's fruitless. It's funny when it happens to the kid, but when it happens to us, it's so very aggravating, isn't it? And challenging when it doesn't work to just do more and do more and do more. Friends, welcome to our series. It's called Rhythm of Life. And during September, we are talking about this idea that God has ordered the world with a particular rhythm to it. The beating of our hearts and the chirping of the birds and the rising and the setting of the sun each and every day. There is a rhythm to our lives. There's a rhythm to the world. There's the rhythm of work and rest. There is a rhythm of time alone and time together. There is a rhythm of giving and of receiving. And it seems to me that September is a good time for us to think about these things because this is the time when the kids go back to school and when you and I are getting into our life groups. And as summer wraps up and we begin to settle into the routine that the fall season has for us, this is a good time to take what I would call spiritual inventory to take an inventory of our souls and to, to hold our calendars in one hand. Do you have a calendar on your phone like I do? To hold your calendar in one hand and to hold the Bible in the other and to go before God and say, God, who am I and, and who are you calling me to be? Because, you know, it turns out, friends, whatever's on that calendar, that's pretty much what gets done in your life, isn't it? And that's pretty much who you are, is what you do day to day that fills up your calendar and your date book and your schedule. And so I wonder, even as this calendar fills up, if we might also be filled up with the Word of God and what God is saying to us. I want to talk with you about some soul-shaping ideas, some really big ideas during this month. Ideas like time. How do I spend my hours? How do I spend my days? Ideas like identity. Who am I? And who do I want to be? Ideas like faith. What do I believe? And ideas like peace. What would it take for me to have peace in this life? Now, I want to acknowledge with you this morning that these are not easy questions to answer, that these are very challenging questions, and it might take us a lifetime to finally answer questions of time and of faith and of identity. So it really should not surprise us then when we come to realize that the answers we've heard that the kind of things that we have been told or what we had assumed really don't turn out to be right after all, and they're certainly not helpful. That what we've been told, friends, is often a myth. We, the answer to these questions, we've been told they are myths. And the result, we've believed these myths, and the fruit of that is not what we had hoped for because we thought, okay, uh, what we'll do is we'll run faster and we'll try harder and we'll work more, and uh, we'll use better technology, and I'll just try to cram everything into my life. But the result of that is not productivity and peace, is it? 
It's actually the opposite. It's frustration and anxiety and anger and hurt and the fear of missing out and exhaustion. And we get to the end of the day and we say to ourselves, why am I so tired? This is why, friends. This is why you and I are so tired. So today I want to try to offer you a word of encouragement. I want to try to lift your spirit by the Spirit of God and to say to you, there is a better way. There is another way. There is a God way, a Jesus way of being in the world that does not leave us exhausted and burnt out, but leaves us fulfilled and at peace. And it means we've got to trade, though, some myths for some truth. And the truth is going to be found right here in this book, in the Holy Scripture. We're going to trade these myths for the truth. So let's take these one at a time. And the first myth of the rhythm of our lives is this. If I only had more time. If I only had more time. How many of you have ever thought that to yourself or maybe even said it out loud? I suppose that's probably all of us, isn't it? Notice the clock. It's a 13-hour it's a clock. Wouldn't that be great, right? Get an extra hour in the day. We say, you know, if I just had a little bit more time, you know, then I could get everything done. Then I could be productive. You know, then I would have more peace. Can I tell you something? No, you wouldn't. <laughs> no, you wouldn't. If you and I had an extra hour in the day, you know what we would do? We would fill up that hour also with all the kinds of stuff that we do. And then we'd say, oh, could I please just have one more hour? And we would always long for more. See, the trouble is not with the number of hours in the day, friends. The trouble is with how we think about them and how we use them and what we do with the time that we have been given. The myth is if I only had more time. But the truth is this. God has already given us enough time. God has already given us enough time to do everything that God has asked us to do. Now, True, God may not have given us enough time to do everything we want to do, and almost certainly we don't have enough time to do everything we think we should do. You ever get a case of the shoulds, right? That's really destructive thinking, isn't it? But God has given us enough time to do exactly what God has asked us to do. Consider the alternative for, for a second. Uh, God asks us to do some particular things, but God does not give us enough time to accomplish those things. What does that say about God? And that makes God a sadist or something, right? You know, God's not a sadist. God is a savior. God wants to save you. God wants to rescue you and bless you and fill you full of good things. So it makes sense that as God is providing for us, one of the things that God provides is time. Look with me at 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. His divine power has given us everything needed for life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. Friends, this is the promise. This is good news for you and for me of God's providing for us. And I think on our best days, we get this. And if I asked you, has God given you enough grace for your salvation? You would say, well, definitely. And if I said, has God given you enough ability to do your work? You'd say, yes, absolutely. And if I said, has God given you enough food to eat? You would say, yep, I've had enough food to eat. And if I said to you, well, has God given you enough time? Well, hang on. Now, that's different for some reason. No, it's not different. Friends, it's the same. Time is but one of the gifts that God gives to us. And according to 2 Peter, we have enough. We have everything that we need for this life, for godliness, for being more like God. 
There's an amazing thing that happens when you and I begin to believe this promise. When you and I begin to believe that we have enough time, you know what happens? Peace enters into your life. You begin to have peace because you stop stressing and struggling about all the things that you have to do and you let them come as they may and you trust God that God is going to provide for you. Think about this for a second. Imagine if you believe this with all your heart and that when you get to the end of your day, if you've accomplished everything that God has asked you to do that day, do you know what happens to the list of things that are undone? It's not your responsibility. It's God's responsibility. Wow, what a relief. You mean I don't have to worry about all those other things that I didn't get done? I can just say, hey, God, this is you. I did what you asked me to do, Lord. I did everything in the time that you gave me to do it. And everything else, God, I'm trusting you to handle that. Or, God, maybe tomorrow morning there will be something for me that you'll have. But for tonight, I'm just going to lay here with my head on the pillow and my eyes are closed and I have peace because, God, you have given me everything that I need. Myth number two. Myth number two is I can do it all. I can do it all. Some of us think that the key to a uh, happy and successful life is to try to do everything. Go to work, do the laundry, mow the yard, bake the brownies, reconcile the bank statement, read that novel that I've been putting off for so long, check the email, be a perfect parent and spouse and neighbor and friend and church member. You see, this is often what happens when we give up on the idea of the 13-hour clock and we say, well, I'm not going to get any more time, so I'll you know what I'll do. I'll just cram more into my life every day, and I'll just try to do everything in the few hours that I have. By the way, sadly, there's an element of sexism in this picture, if you can see it. Uh, when you go to Google and you search the phrase, mom juggling, this is the picture you get. Dozens and dozens of pictures like this with a, a woman who's like trying to hold up everything in her life, her kids, her husband, her work, you know, making dinner, everything. If you Google the phrase dad juggling, you know what you get? You get a picture of a guy juggling, like bowling balls or eggs or something, okay? So somehow we still expect more from women. That's not, that's not good. I just want to point out the hypocrisy of that. Uh, but also to say men are not immune. Okay? Uh, as men, we are not immune from this. All of us, at one time or another, have perhaps believed the myth that we can do it all. Here's the truth, friends. The truth is I can give all my attention to one thing at a time. Next slide, please. I can give all my attention to one thing at a time. So you cannot do it all, but you can give your all to one thing at a time. Tell me if this sounds familiar. Your friend asks you to go out and do something fun, go to the movies or go for a walk or go have a drink or something. And you say, well, I would love to, but I've got this thing I have to do. And so instead you've got to study for a test or get to work on your project for, for work, or if there's some chores at home, they need to be done. And so there you are with your work in front of you. And you're the whole time you're just sort of daydreaming. Oh man, I wish I was with my friend. I bet she's having a great time. Gosh, if only I could be out there with him having a good time. And the result is, neither are you being productive with your work, nor are you out there with your friend. Has that ever happened to you? It's happened to me more times than I would like to admit. I'm sort of in this in-between 
and I'm neither in the one place nor in the other. And so uh, we're at work, but we're wishing we were at home. Or we're in one relationship, and we're wishing we were in a different relationship instead. Or we're in bed in the morning thinking, gosh, I really should get up and exercise. Or we're sitting on the couch late at night thinking, gosh, I really should be in bed. You know what Jesus said about that? Jesus said, let your yes be yes, and your no, no. For whatever is more than these is from the evil one. Whoa, Jesus, that's pretty strong language, my friend. Okay, he's saying, look, say yes to the things that you need to say yes to and say no to everything else. Now, friends, that's simple, but that is really hard to do. That is really hard to do. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. Now, Jesus modeled this for us, friends. If you think back to what you know in the Gospels of the ministry of Jesus and the three years that he was on this earth, I want you to realize with me, Jesus did not do everything. There were some people Jesus did not heal. And there were some towns that Jesus did not visit. And there were some sermons that Jesus did not preach. Why? He had to say no to some things so that he could say yes to the one thing. And what's the one thing? It's his mission. It's his call. It's what the Heavenly Father sent him to the earth to do, to love and bless people and to offer salvation by his cross and resurrection. Now, you and I also have a one thing. We have a mission in this life, and it probably has something to do with your day job, and it probably has something to do with your family and your friends and your relationships, and it probably has something to do with how you're living out your faith out there in the world. But if you and I are going to be successful at that one thing, it means we've got to say no to a lot of other things. Myth number three, life was created to be balanced. I think somewhere along the line, you and I got this message that, you know, if we could just have all things in equal amounts, uh, if we could achieve some kind of equilibrium in our lives, then finally we would achieve harmony and everything would come out even and right and beautiful. So let me get a balance of work and of family time. Let me have a balance of exercise and rest of time with my kids and time with my friends. Can I tell you something? I don't know anyone who has achieved this kind of balance in their life, who has equal amounts of everything, and it always just seems to come out smooth and nice and pretty and clean. I want to suggest to you that this is a myth, that the idea of balance in our lives is a myth, that this is not the way God intended the world to be, nor your life to be. And that the truth instead is this, Life was created to be seasonal, okay? Not balanced, but seasonal. There is a rhythm to our lives. There's a rhythm of daytime and nighttime. There is a rhythm of winter and summer, okay? And there, you may not get them in equal amounts, and you almost certainly will not get them at the exact same time, but you will get some of each according to God's rhythm. This is the way God has ordered your life. Your life is seasonal, you were made for family. You were made for work. You were made for friends and for time alone. You were made for giving and for receiving. This is the way God made you. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 says, For everything there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven. Think about it. Three-year-old children do not need as much time for work as they need for play, right? They need a little bit of work. They need to fold the socks. They need to sweep the floor. But mostly they need to play. Retired people 
will not spend as much time at the office as they will spend going out for coffee with their friends and volunteering at church and traveling the world. And that's a good thing, isn't it? And retired people say amen. I'm going to get there one day, one day. As a father and a husband and a person with a full-time job, my reality is I cannot give my kids as much attention as I give my work on my work days. On my work days, Timberlake Church gets a majority of my time and my energy and my focus, Sunday through Thursday. But on Friday and Saturday, Timberlake Church gets very little or zero of my time and attention. And my kids get a lot. They get a lot of dad time. And when we go on vacation as a family, I don't check work email and I don't write sermons or worry about what's happening here because Pastor Matt has it on lockdown, as we say. And instead, I'm playing with my kids and I'm resting. I'm sleeping in and I'm taking naps and going to bed early, right? And there's rest and there's renewal and there's relaxation. Okay, so it's not balance, friends. It's, it's rhythm. It's not all things in equal measure. It's the right thing at the right time, according to the grace of God. Myth number four. Myth number four is Jesus is one part of your life. Okay, so imagine your life is this pie chart right here. And if you're starting kind of in the upper left and going around clockwise, you've got career and friends and finances. You've got your health and your fun and your growth and your home. And there in that little green slice of pie, that's your, your spirituality. So some people conceive faith as, you know what, Jesus, Jesus, you get to be that green slice of pie in the pie chart of my life. And so uh, Jesus, in this case, would get one eighth, one piece out of eight of your life. Friends, do you know what we call this? Heresy. Okay, this is heresy. This is false teaching of the highest order. Jesus deserves more than one-eighth of your life. By the way, any mathematicians here, you know what percentage one out of eight is? Twelve and a half. Twelve and a half percent. Do you think Jesus is content to have twelve and a half percent of your life? Of course not. Jesus wants the whole thing. Jesus wants your life to be integrated in such a way that you're following him wherever you go and whatever you are doing. Okay, so here's the truth. Jesus wants to be in everything. Jesus wants to be in all parts of your life. You see, God has created you as a spiritual being. All of life is spiritual. It's humans who created this divide between sacred and secular. Okay, God did not invent that. Humans invented that. Okay, God made every, everything is spiritual. Every moment of every day of your life is an opportunity to practice an awareness of the presence of God. Every moment of every day of your life is a chance for you to follow Jesus into whatever He has for you next. All of life is designed to be lived in such a way that you say, Lord, what do you have for me right now? Lord, what do you have for me right now? And so, see, friends, in this sense, time is not a matter of quantity anymore. It's not, you know, if I could only have more, or if I can only do more with what I have, or if only I could balance it and make it even. No, time is not a matter of quantity. It's a matter of quality. And this is how Jesus puts it in John chapter 10. And I love the New King James Version of this verse. Jesus said, I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. 
You know what abundant means? It means rich. It means lavish. It means more than enough. See, God is giving you a life that is all of those things, rich and lavish and more than enough. Your life is meaningful. It's worthwhile. Your, your abundant life in Jesus is whole. It is integrated. You see, we're not disciples only when we do church stuff. We are disciples all the time. When you wash dishes, you wash dishes as a disciple of Jesus. And, and when you make breakfast, or when you uh, balance your checkbook, or when you go for a walk, or when you read a novel, you are a disciple of Jesus. And so it's the divided life. It's the life that's compartmentalized in which we uh, stick Jesus over in the corner and we say, Jesus, you can have one-eighth of my life. I'll see you on Sunday. Right? That's the divided life. The integrated life, the whole life, says, you know what? Every waking moment is a chance to practice an awareness of the presence of God. And so the day begins with quiet time and with prayer and with reading the Scripture. And then everything that unfolds after that is God's graciousness and mercy for us to say, here's what I have for you next. Okay, to recap. Number one, God has already given us enough time. Number two, I can give all my attention to one thing at a time. Number three, life was created to be seasonal. There is rhythm. And number four, Jesus wants to be in everything. Now, over the next four weeks during the month of September, friends, we're going to unpack these principles and make them real for us in how we live our lives and talk about concrete ways to respond to the good news of Jesus. For today, I hope your response is, is two things, a couple things. One, a right attitude, a right way of thinking about these things according to the Scripture. And secondly, prayer. If you're like me and your life is chaotic and hectic and a bit too full, prayer is a great place to start to say, God, show me what I need to say yes to and what I need to say no to. Show me, God, how you are present in my life every moment of every day. So let me finish with a prayer, and I'll offer this to God on our behalf. This is the prayer of St. Patrick. Christ with me, Christ before me, Christ behind me, Christ in me. Christ beneath me, Christ above me. Christ on my right, Christ on my left. Christ when I lie down, Christ when I stand.